For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 165 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're back after a interesting week last week. Indeed. <laughs> Things went off the wall, wall uh, the, the rails a little bit. Rails, right? walls, things were off it. Yep. And uh, we'll see how it goes this week. See if the same thing happens. I bet you it doesn't. We've got some Bet cool stuff to talk about. Nothing like earth-shattering. Nothing like, uh, ooh, huge episode 9 news or anything. But some cool stuff regardless. Um, before we get into all that, I guess I'll give you guys a little bit of the business. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at blueharvestpod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon now, so if you really like our show and want to throw a couple of bucks our way to help support and upgrade the equipment and all that kind of stuff. For a little extra giggity in return. Yeah, you get at least one bonus show a week. That's at least. Honestly, there's been a couple of weeks where there's been two. In fact, we just put up a piping hot new episode. Star Wars Year by Podcast, Episode 1, with me and our buddy Steel up on the Patreon feed today, so go check that out. It's a lot of fun. Um, that's patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. And uh, by the way, we're part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. That still hasn't really sunk in. It's only been like a year and a half. It's only the best damn-ass thing that's ever happened to our podcast. It's only the best damn-ass Star Wars podcast in the ga- podcast network in the galaxy. So after you're done listening to us and you're like, damn, I could use a little more Star Wars. Well, guys, go over to the toy store that is the Making Star Wars Podcast Network where you will find lots of podcasts with many more action features and a lot more play value. I've been watching a lot of toy videos on YouTube lately. Uh, Podcasts like what, you may ask? Now this is podcasting. Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, The Sith List, Rogue One, Podcast 2187, 
Tarkin's Top Shelf, Idiot's Array, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. Quality audio entertainment. All around. Your ears. So what you been up to, buddy? Well, you know, this and that. Same old, same old. Enjoying the full release of PUBG. Oh, yeah. And uh, I played today. Last night I downloaded the Battlefield beta. The Battlefield, I guess it's 5. I don't know if it's Battlefield 5 or V. I'm not sure. But uh, the open beta for that. And it is really good. Actually, cool. Surprisingly impressed, and I'm probably going to crack a little more into it this weekend. Yeah, I have that new Spider-Man game sitting oh, on my table. Dude, no, have you played it? No, man, I got ah. it today. I don't have. Oh, you that. got it today. You got it today. It okay. came out today. Excusable, totally excusable. And and it's not looking likely that I get to because I'm gonna have to work after we record this. But I cannot oh. wait. I it's oh. so it looks like. They took the you know the Arkham style gameplay and applied that yeah. shit to Spider Man. It's I, probably incredible. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to it. You know, I don't know this, right? I don't know what the game's gonna be like. I did watch a little video of them in production. Uh, I have the DVD Spider Man Homecoming, and they do a little chunk, you know, on the Spider Man game, uh-huh. kind of talking about how it's in production and what's coming and how excited they are and. Uh, Dude, from everything I've seen about this Spider-Man movie, the um, psh, movie video game, <laughs> yeah. this Spider-Man video game could be one of those games that sells consoles. Oh yeah, you know, it's rare in these days that you have one that does that. The last time it really happened for me was, um, you know, like uh, Halo for the original Xbox, right? And like Gears of War for mm-hmm. Xbox 360 and stuff like that. Like those those con- those games made me buy a console so that I could own them and play them. You know, um, honestly, and I feel like Spider-Man's one of those for the PS4. It's such a shame the PS4 is so damn expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's and I not mean, even... I know you get one paying for technologically, but it's yeah. just so damn expensive. I mean, the thing is, is nowadays you can get your hands on a PS4 for not too bad. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, you if you don't, you can get... probably find a hawked one or even a used one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like a used one at GameStop, you know, if you go with just the PS4 Slim, you don't try to get all the bells and whistles with the Pro. Like if you're not concerned and don't have a 4K TV, then the PS4 Slim is all you really need. I have a I have a, a 4K TV and I play on a Slim only because the majority of my playtime is on the Xbox. So I was more concerned with getting the 4K Xbox than the PlayStation, you know? Right, right, right. I was going to try and get my hands. They did a limited edition spider-man ps4 pro console and i i was gonna try to get it dude but it sold out and the only place i wanted to get it was gamestop because i wanted to trade my old ps4 in you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah to get a little chunk of money off of it but yeah i I couldn't manage to get my hands on it Um, and i know this isn't the video game podcast but this that parad the paradigm has got to change okay there was a paradigm shift from renting video games. You can still rent video games on like Redbox and stuff. Right. And Gamefly, you know, subscription service. But, <coughs> you know, it's just something's um, got to change. You know, I, honestly, 
PlayStation has sort of a game rental, a digital game rental service. Do they? Yeah. Xbox I, may have something like that I just don't know about. Well, Xbox has the Game Pass, where it's kind of like Netflix for game, or Xbox games, where you pay yeah. like 10 bucks a month and you can play any of the games that are up on the service. And there's a lot, and there's a lot of really good stuff, too. Right. Um, I would imagine, especially when we get to... I wouldn't be surprised if this next console generation goes fully digital. I know, you know, Xbox kind of shot themselves in the foot saying that they were kind of moving that way with the Xbox One. And then they stepped back on that. But it's an inevitability. It is an inevitability. Buying physical games will eventually, I think, go out the door. And it may not be the next generation. It may be the one after that. But it's going to... You know, they may even start doing a thing where, like, you know, when the next Xbox comes out, you can buy the fully loaded one that has a disk drive and stuff. Or, for 50 bucks cheaper, you can buy one that doesn't have a disk drive. And you just download all your games, you know? Oh, that's cool. I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do. I could see them... It makes total sense. ...doing that in in, in a way to sort of transition people over to... <clears throat> not using, di- but you know, I I say that, and I still buy physical games. I buy digital games I mean, and physical games. I do the same thing, and it's odd. It's just so odd. It's an odd feeling, I guess, because I grew up in the original console wars days. Mm-hmm. Because I played most of the games that were released for NES, and I, I say not most. It was probably less than half, but the ones that you think of when you think of NES games, I remember you played you know, the hits. You that played the hits, 12 or 15 of, you know, NES's greatest. I played them all. Uh, SNES, okay, I played, you know, okay, 12, 10 to 12. There were some SNES games I missed out on. And then every console progression, there are more and more games that I missed out on because games became more expensive. <laughs> games came more specific. And, I mean, that's great. That's what we want. Uh, and now games are so expensive and so much effort has gone into their production I really only play on on my last two or three consoles. I have I have only played really the handful of games that I could afford. You know, probably it's probably more than this, but you know, probably a good twelve or fifteen on each console. I probably had you know fifteen to twenty on the Xbox 360, and then less than that for my Xbox One. Right. You know, and then I rotate and trade some of those in to try to buy the new game. So I lose those out of my library trying to get value out of them still it's it's just interesting i assume it'll go the same way of music so we all have you know eventually all media music movies video games is going towards the way of you pay towards a service to access to their content so yeah it may come a point where games are streamed you know you've got the disney i'm not sorry nintendo stream You've got the Sony stream, you've got the Microsoft stream, and you can play their games all going all the way back in history, maybe, you know, and you pay for a subscription, fee, you know, to their streaming services. I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that. I still think they'll offer the option for you to own a game outright, you know? I just, mm-hmm. I don't know that for sure. Um, you know, like I oh, said. Oh, I mean, this is it, all purely speculation so about that, what the future could hold. That PlayStation Now service I was telling you about. That's basically a game rental service. That's all streaming. Yeah. From what I understand, that's all streaming. You're streaming oh, wow. those games, um, and and it's the only way to play. And it's not a complete catalog. It's the only way to play like some PS3 
games on your PS4 and stuff like that. Like, because, you know, PS4 doesn't offer backwards compatibility. Backwards compatibility. Because Sony are kind of dicks. Kind of they are. They have been kind of dicks, especially this console generation. Aren't they the ones that always shoot down the cross platform? Yeah. That's the main thing I'm referring to is their their unwillingness to let people play cross-platform on Fortnite or whatever else people might, Rocket League, you know, the games people could get on their individual different systems and maybe would want to play with other people. I guess they're scared of losing their loyal, their loyal customers. Well, I mean, and it also comes from a, a place of... They're the top. They're the top dog. Like this console generation was, uh, by a long shot, won by PlayStation Four. You know, there's really that's no interesting. Comfort. It doesn't feel that way. I guess that's because I have an Xbox One. Right. So I didn't. I didn't. I guess I just didn't even realize that well, PS4 won this. Oh console. yeah. But got, like I said, did Xbox... Microsoft ever win one? Did Xbox ever win one? <laughs> I mean, there was definitely a time when Microsoft was ahead during the 360 days, for sure. Really? Definitely not with the original Xbox versus the PlayStation 2. Oh, I knew the original Xbox wasn't. Um, the 360 was, you know, their sort of heyday so far. The thing, the the problem with Xbox is that they shot themselves in the foot. They were like, you know, they had all these big plans for the Xbox One when they first announced it, and they said stuff like, um, you know, you can't, trade in your games like once you buy a game it's tied to your account so you can let up to like two other people borrow it or something but after that you know they're sort of locked out and there was so much backlash from that yeah they i mean they really got off to a hard start because of their image when they first and they backed off all that before the console came out but the damage damage was already done now what you're seeing now What you're seeing now is Xbox clawing their way back in the the realm of public perception because Xbox is doing cross-platform. You can play Fortnite with your buddy on the Nintendo Switch or the PC. They're offering a crazy amount of backwards compatibility, even with the original Xbox, going back two generations. Um, I still say that Xbox online service, Xbox Gold, is light years better than PlayStation Network. Just in the way it works, how the social feature works, the reliability of it, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, they're starting to get a little bit better of a public perception, and hopefully that carries over into their next console release. Because, like I said, this console generation, it's done. Like, Xbox has sold a respectable amount of consoles. They haven't, like, obviously they're not, going the the way of the dreamcast you know there's gonna be another xbox it's nothing like dire but they definitely are trailing quite a bit behind playstation in terms of overall sales and the other thing xbox has never really been able to get a solid foothold in japan xbox consoles just don't sell in japan and that's a large part of that market yeah and they tried really hard in the 360 era to get uh, you know, exclusive RPGs. You had like uh, Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon and some other stuff. They tried really hard. They went after that Japanese market hardcore, and it didn't really pan out for them. <clears throat> but, anyways, uh, 
I love me some video games, hoping I get a chance to crack into old Spider-Man, which is funny considering, you remember last week, Spider-Dick? Spider-Dick. Yeah, remember the the guy that I saw? Oh, the the eight-armed, yeah, the eight-eyed. No, the guy I saw at the con who had his dick visible in his Spider-Man costume. Oh, I went to get a picture with him. And then all week I've been fucking singing the Spider-Dick theme song to myself. Spider-Dick. Spider dick. Spider dick. Spider dick. Hey, everybody, he's got a spider prick. Cover your mouth and your eyes. Watch out now. It's a spider surprise. Hey, now, it's the spider dick. How did I know you would have full on verses for this? (laughs) Yeah, man. All right. So, you want to talk some Star Wars? No, I do. Um, Is this a guy? I'm sorry. And we're going to spider dick. Is this the guy that when I was leaving the con, he was coming in? No, this was at Pensacon the first year I went. Okay, all right. But do okay. Do you remember that Spider Man though? I do. I do. He, he was jazzed about being Spider Man. Uh, uh, speaking I like of which, that. I like sp- that he was excited. Speaking of Spider Man and his different outfits, uh, the the new Spider Man game twenty something like twenty six or twenty eight different costumes that you can oh. unlock for. Spider-Man, all kinds of crazy Probably shit. Probably be every movie Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man. No, well, so I saw some of them. There's, you know, the the Spider-Man costume in the game is its own unique sort of new take on the Spider-Man costume where he's got like the white spider emblem. Okay. Um they have the Homecoming, so from the movie, they have his homemade costume from Homecoming. They have Spider-Man 2099, one of my personal favorites. Mm, 2099 is one of the best. They have uh, Spider-Man Noir. They have all kinds of other. Iron Spider from Infinity War, of course. you got to throw that one in there. Um, they, you know, all kinds. I don't know that I saw Ultimate Spider-Man. They definitely had like an animated, cartoony-looking Spider-Man as well. <clears throat> but it, it looks cool. I'm uh, looking forward to it. And apparently it's not a super long game, so maybe I can actually finish a game for once. It's been a little while since I've had the time to finish a game. I think the last game I finished was Call of Duty Infinite War. I think the last game I finished... Like, there's games, like, obviously, I played... Like, if PUBG was a normal game, I put enough time into that to finish oh, a game. I finished like. PUBG two or three times over, right. if that's a game. Uh, same thing with Destiny. You don't ever really finish Destiny, but... That's true. I, I did, did everything in Destiny, up to a certain point, you know? I did too, yeah. But I think the last game, especially single-player experience, that I completed was probably fucking Final Fantasy fifteen, And that's coming on two years now that that's been out. Yeah. Anyways. That was good. Was that a good one? Was that a good Final Fantasy? I really dug it. Next time you come into town, I'll let you borrow it. Okay. The last Final Fantasy that really tickled my <laughs> fancy was, I think, ten. Yeah. That's a good one. I really I liked, liked fifteen. I felt like fifteen was a, a step in the right direction for them because yeah. thirteen was a little bit of a disappointment to me. Fourteen is excellent, but you can't really count it because it's an MMO. Yeah. You know. Uh, as far as like a single player, dense ass story experience, Final Fantasy game fifteen was was pretty good, and it looks great. Anyways, Star Wars. Sorry, <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, 
So we uh, got a little interesting information this week about the Blu-ray sales for The Last Jedi. As of right now, The Last Jedi is the best-selling Blu-ray of 2018, with just a little over 3 million Blu-rays sold. And that's in North America only. Hell yes. <clears throat> now... A couple things you need to keep in mind. A, that's excellent news. I mean, I think that just goes to show you that's not... You know, you people get wrapped up in sort of the Last Jedi hate echo chamber. Sure, there's it's plenty the of people... It's the worst Star Wars. Sure, there's plenty of people that didn't like it, but Lucasfilm is not worried about The Last Jedi. One yeah, point, they're laughing all the way to the bank. Over a billion dollars at the box office. Three million Blu-ray. And that's not counting digital sales and that's not counting sales out of North America. So clearly they're doing all right. Now, something you got to keep in mind is that's 2018 up until September. A little movie called Infinity War just came out like about a month ago. There's a chance that could surpass it. You know, there's yeah. that was a big movie. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a chance that could surpass it. Um, and you know, you can't really count it out because it was released so much later. So you got to keep that in mind. Um, I've ho also seen some people saying, yeah, but, uh, the force awakens sold 5.5 million copies on Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, it was the first star Wars movie in a long time. They did two editions. You know, the, a lot of people forget they came out with that deluxe set. They double dipped us twice in the same year and yeah, brought they out that. A big deluxe set, which I'm sure, you know, doesn't totally account for the extra two million sales. <laughs> and it could also be that more people have gone over to digital. So, you know, I just liked seeing that, uh, you know, despite some people being really crazy with their hate with that movie, everything seems all right, you know? Everything is just fine. It's just as popular as every other Star Wars. It's going to last. It's always going to be the story. No one's going to go back and rewrite it. I uh, I would be... In, now, what will be the interesting information will be um, if... Um, oh, man, I hit a pothole. Oh, well, what I'll be interested to see is the Blu-ray sales for Solo. Now, there we're talking about a movie that did not do as well at the box office. But I got a feeling the Blu-ray sales for that are going to be pretty healthy too. I don't know. Yeah. And I when does it go on sale? Uh, so Solo comes out digitally a week from today, and then like two weeks after that, it comes out on Blu-ray or a week and a half or something. So we're not far from uh, Solo being out. I'm getting the Solo itch so bad. I know I'm going to get it digitally. I know I'll get it on 4K Blu-ray. I'm a fucking sucker for for Star Wars. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Are. I'm going to do it. I'm just ready to watch it again, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I tried to do some research and see if there were some sort of uh, charting or sales numbers for digital sales for movies, and I couldn't really find it. I would be interested to see what that looks like for... Uh, Honestly, all three of the released Star Wars movies, home-released Star Wars movies so far, Force Awakens, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi, uh, I would be really interested to see what their digital sales are like. Uh, I just can't find that information. 
Um, <clears throat> speaking of The Last Jedi, old buddy Ryan Johnson announced a new project this week. Are you kidding? What is it? He is going to be directing a movie called Knives Out, starring Daniel Craig. Really? Mm-hmm. Is this... When is this in relation to his next Star Wars? This the is... the Star Wars trilogy, I mean. So, this is... He's going to be doing this in between The Last Jedi and the new Star Wars movie. They're going to start shooting this movie in November. It's a small movie. You know okay. what I mean? Like... Yeah. This is not a high budget. He's doing a very small movie. You see this a lot of times. This is a terrible uh, analogy or comparison. But you know how, like, in between Transformers movies, Michael Bay did, like, what was that movie about fucking muscle dudes? You remember what I'm talking about? It wasn't, like, Marky Mark and the Rock in it or something? Marky Mark and was the Rock. China? Oh, 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 yeah, and they're juiced, and they do a heist. It's based on a real story. Yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I forget what it's called. Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain. There you go. So wow, that was good. This is basically the same thing. He's doing a smaller movie, because we all kind of knew, like, the first movie in his uh, Star Wars trilogy was going to be a little whiles out, you know, especially with, you know, in between The Last Jedi and this movie we're getting... Um, you know, we got solo, we're getting episode nine. That's not till December next year. Like the dude doesn't want to just sit around like, yeah, he's going to get a project. Of course, And I think it's good. You know, it helps your creative juices staying <clears throat> active. Yeah. And apparently this all sort of came together, which is interesting. I didn't know this. Uh, the newest bond movie sort of fell apart like, and really? got delayed. So that's why, uh, Daniel Craig was, uh, um, available and apparently well, there was a little bit of a bidding war for this movie it was sold at the toronto film festival this week and it caused sort of like a bidding war um with um like different studios and stuff interesting that's good it's good for ryan johnson um one of the things that Okay, I like Daniel Craig. I like Daniel Craig as James Bond. I'm irritated that Daniel Craig is not as fond as playing James Bond as I like him as James Bond. It makes me a little irritated with him. Yeah, but he's kind of got when you when you hear him talking about it, I kind of get it. Like he's just like, dude, the the workout regimen and and stuff and and being physically James Bond is a pain in the ass. Um and so how many has he done so far? 3 he four? did Casino Royale. Right. He did Which Quantum of good. Solace. Not very good. Uh, I I liked it. I I, I found it. Bo I couldn't keep like. I'm not a big James Bond guy in the first place. Oh, you aren't. I enjoyed Casino Royale where, to the point where I was like, oh, okay, like I sort of get the James Bond thing. Then the second one, Quantum of Solace, like I just had trouble following it in the theater and like wasn't that interested. Um, and then he did. Skyfall, which was kick-ass. I haven't seen that one. Uh, oh, was really? That, yeah, was that the last? So he's only done three, or was there another one? I think one he's done one since Skyfall, but I can't remember the name of it because I don't think I've seen it. Okay, okay. Let me let me look real quick. Yeah, why don't you look that up? But yeah, he, he kind of has the, um, you know, sort of the same reasoning Hugh Jackman had about 
uh, not being Wolverine anymore. Like that takes a lot of work to be in fucking. I get it. I James get it. You're Bond done. or Wolverine shape. You're done. You're just done doing it. Dude, I'm in fucking Fat Albert shape, and I'm I don't want to be James Bond. Well, I mean, there's all this this fan uproar that fans want Idris Elba to be the next James Bond, which I'm fine with. I think that could be bad. I think it would be good. I just don't want him to shit on being James Bond the way he shit on being um, Heimdall in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, did and he like, actually shit on that? I didn't know that. He was like, I hate wearing the fucking contacts and, you know, just ready to be done with it. Like, glad his character died in Thor Ragnarok. Like, huh. I don't like that. I don't like when actors. The one thing I would like, say about uh, Idris Elba as Heimdall is they didn't give him much to do in those movies. Like he's barely in. When you really sit down and think about it, like he's not in those movies a touch. Like he's it, not, but he's one of the things that makes the as he kind of like cements the Asgardian realm. Yeah, like him and Anthony that. Hopkins make it godly and epic like yeah i can totally see i like him as heimdall i mean disappointed to hear he doesn't have a good time doing it but you know i don't know you know i hope he has a good time being james bond is all i'm saying yeah if that does end up happening i'm interested enough to check out a james bond movie again like and maybe it's because i just watched the office and i saw (laughs) as the substitute boss again, you know, and was like, mm, fuck this guy. Fuck Charles. <laughs> that's the one. That's where like Jim is trying to be funny and become friends with him. And he's just not having it. Isn't that sort of no, the storyline? He, he prefers Dwight. Right. When he's like, everybody in the office is trying to get into soccer. They're like, Oh, we love soccer. Yeah. I, I think he could do pretty kick ass as bond. I think it'd be great as bond. Um, it, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Part of the reason I want him to be James Bond is just to see the assholes melt down oh, about a black yeah. guy being James Bond. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Oh, it'll be delicious. Mm-hmm. I wanna, it's like yep. putting a Philly cheesesteak on a table, and I'm like, oh, that looks delicious. And These ha- assholes be- are about to fucking show their true colors. Yeah, right. And like, really, and honestly, like, you know, I would be totally fine with that. I'm totally cool with that. I'm totally cool with this 13th Doctor being a woman. Like, it's awesome. Like, characters characters that don't have to be boxed into this one thing are awesome. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I, I think anytime you can maybe not hold a, a character so preciously and allow it to grow and change is, is a good thing if you just roll with the punches, you know? and like Right. Let the story do its thing and just try to be entertained. Like, from no as far as I know, that's so how up some in arms about everything, right? That's how some epic comic book characters really hit their stride, you know, like and became real characters. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I look at a character like Miles Morales from Ultimate Spider Man, like, he's awesome, and they're like. If if you're not allow, uh, willing to allow wiggle room and change with these characters, then you get no Miles Morales. You get no Spider Gwen. As you can tell, I'm real obsessed with Spider Man right now. I can I hear can. that video game talking to me from the other room, being like, "Unwrap me, play me." I can hear the iTunes comments being like, "Hmm, Spider Man episode much?" <laughs> Spidey senses tingling on Blue Harvest. <laughs> I love me some um, damn Spider Man. 
But I th- I also think, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Seeing a hero or a character that looks like you in your art and your media and your culture is inspiring. It doesn't yeah. matter who you are, you know, it, or or what you look like. Seeing a character that represents you, that you feel connected to, brings that art closer to everyone, not just one subset of people. Absolutely. But some people take this weird ownership over a character or a movie franchise where they feel like it's theirs and only theirs, and it should only represent them and their their way of thinking, you know? Purity. What it is is it's fear of change. All those people don't like change. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the other. Right now in our world, that's a really big deal. It's a really big problem. And, you know, they act like diversity is a bad word, you know, and uh, inclusion is a bad word. Yeah. What's wrong with making people feel included? What's wrong with working together? You don't have to be a purist, you know. Not everyone has to stay on their prescribed islands. Yeah, man. Uh, And honestly, it kind of just comes down to maybe one of the most important tenets of life. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. You know? Um, so and on the seventh day, God rested. <laughs> and said, don't, and be, said, a don't dick. be a dick. You dick. Um, so Kathleen Kennedy from one uh, controversial Star Wars uh, creative to another. Miss Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, It was announced this week that she will be receiving an honorary Oscar. And it's actually a special reward called the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Reward. Okay? Yeah. And uh, I've I've got a little article uh, pulled up about it. The Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Reward is awarded periodically by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences at the Governor Awards Ceremonies to... Creative producers whose bodies of work reflect a consistently high quality of motion picture production. Uh, It's named after a legendary head producer from uh, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. And it's one of these awards that's not handed out every year. You know what I mean? Right. Um, And just to give you a a little uh, idea of who Kathleen Kennedy, the company she's going to be holding when she receives this reward. In 1941, it was rewarded to Walt Disney. Oh, wow. Um, it was rewarded to, in 1952 to Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, I'm skipping some of these because I don't know a lot of these. In 1967, it was rewarded to Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, in 1986... Steven Spielberg received the reward. Uh, in 1991, Uncle George Lucas. Mm. 1994, Clint Eastwood. 1999, Feels so right. <laughs> 1999, Warren Beatty. 2010, For- Francis Ford Coppola. And now, in 2018, Kathleen Kennedy. Basically, you get inducted into this from making multiple high-quality movies. Yeah, and for being a basically a badass producer. Um, man, this... <clears throat> look, this is the thing. I'm trying not to be petty here, but this and the, the 
the Blu-ray sales for The Last Jedi, those two stories coming out this week were just sort of sweet, like, you know what I'm saying? Sweet, like, sweet nectar. Sweet nectar. And look, I'm not talking about someone who was just like, I didn't like The Last Jedi and went about their business. I'm talking about these fucking crazies that are still harassing people who are making up stories. Kathleen Kennedy's driving Lucasfilm into the tube. Exactly. She doesn't know how to make movies. Exactly. Lawrence that Kasdan doesn't know how to write. Oh, Dharma does not like... She thought you were being serious. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. She's like, don't you talk about my man Kaz. Me and Kathleen are tight. Um... I watched Silverado on Netflix, which is a Lawrence Kasdan movie. Oh, is it? Yeah. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, what I'm talking about is people like you're talking about who make up stories that Ryan Johnson's trilogy has been canceled, that Kathleen Kennedy is going to be fired in September. Oh, really? They're going to fire the head of Lucasfilm in the middle of the production of Episode Nine, uh, right when she receives a very prestigious award from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences or whatever the fuck, right? Do yeah, these dudes it. just need clickbait to keep the lights on? <laughs> honestly, do they just need... honestly, that's what it is. A lot of it is is putting out these kind of stories. It, and it's because they know they can enrage uh, a population of generally less intelligent people. You know what I mean? That, can, that will believe anything they see on yeah. YouTube or clickbait sites. They do it because it's they hard can to use whip people into a frenzy that think for themselves. They can use that to push their fucking agenda being against diversity and things like that. There's a myriad against of reasons the and they're evil all political shitty. correctness. Yeah, like there's a myriad of reasons people do these bullshit clickbaity in Star Wars YouTube like is rife with this kind of bullshit. Like I I watch a lot of YouTube. I hardly watch any Star Wars related YouTube because it's a bunch of fucking bunch of hot garbage is what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of hot garbage going on. But you know, they they just do this to fucking whip up their fan base and then be like, hey, I'm making a fucking comic book about a cybernetic frog. Oh all you guys agree with me about Star Wars, why don't you fucking donate to it? Oh my god. That's like going to a sci fi con and listening to the people who wrote their own books and self-published and stuff. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Speaking of cons, this one time. So, you know, we used to frequent uh, Pensacon. Right. I, I talk about it all the time. It's a, con, it's a con that I really enjoy. It's a smaller con. Pensacola, Florida, blah, blah, blah. Um, we haven't been the last two years because, you know, this year we had our California trip and the year before we had Celebration. Uh, but I want to say the last time we went, we were waiting in line on the first day to get in, and there was this dude who was, you know, your stereotypical comic book guy from The Simpsons or that guy in the World of Warcraft episode. Um, uh, I don't think you know about the last episode. Yeah, the the World of Warcraft episode of South Park. You know, the guy that's trolling them. Like, you know, Ma, bathroom! Ma. Oh, no, that's Cartman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he looked like that, and... And we're standing in line, and he and his buddies are sort of in a little circle in the line. And they are talking with each other. And he is espousing the benefits of watching Star Wars and what's known as the Machete Order. Right? 
which I actually don't think is that bad. Like I've I've watched Star Wars in the Machete Order, and I think it's I've sort of an interesting heard the Machete Order. But it remind me of what it is. Okay. I don't remember precisely. So the original, I I watch a modified version of the Machete Order. Um, the the original version of the Machete Order is was was that you watch A New Hope. Empire Strikes Back, and then, you know, Empire Strikes Back ends with the, no, I am your father, I am your father moment, right? Right. And then you do, like, a fucking Lost-style flashback, and you watch episode two and three, and then Return of the Jedi. Then where does episode one come in? You just don't watch it? Yeah, that was the whole point. They're being shitty about episode one. They're like, you just completely cut episode one out. My modified version of the machete order is A New Hope, Empire, episode one, two, and three, Return of the Jedi. I've watched it like that like once or twice. Is it my preferred way of watching Star Wars? No, but I thought it was a neat little experiment, right? All right. Anyway, back to the guy. So he's talking about this, and he's like, you cut out fucking Empire. Like, he's just going off about cutting out Phantom Menace. And you know me, like, I'm getting annoyed, right? Right. And I'm just about to say something to this douchebag, being like, why are you such an asshole? Why are you being... And Because he's being loud. It's not like two guys standing in line being like... It's not like he's trying to share those opinions with his friends. He's He's trying to share those opinions with the entire line. He's being very loud. He might be a little stinky. You know what I'm saying? No. And one of his friends in the line is like, I don't know, man. I like the Phantom Menace, right? You would have thought this dude said, I don't know, man. I like eating poop. Like this, this dude, like I didn't have to say anything because the meltdown that this dude had was so embarrassing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Where he was... It was just, I was embarrassed for him, despite the fact that he was a huge douche. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just made, like, because everybody was, like, sort of just standing there, like, looking at this dude, yelling in his friend's face about, I don't see how you can like the Phantom Menace. What is this? All I'm thinking about, all I can think about is Will Wheaton. Like, all I can think about. Is Will Wheaton being this guy going off and how can you like the Phantom Menace? Will Wheaton's a douche. Yeah, right. That, I guess that's why that sparked that feeling. Will Wheaton is a douche. And Will I know there's Whitten. probably lots of Will Wheaton fans out there that are like, Will Wheaton represents the our culture, the game. You know, no, he doesn't. Will Wheaton represents himself, his interests, and his likes, and his friends, and his friends, like douchey Chris Hardwick. That's right, Chris Hardwick's a douche, too. <laughs> I seen it. I said it. He's a douche. So is and you, Will Wheaton. you don't want it to be so. You know, Chris Hardwick's TV persona is funny and witty, but... Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I have never been a, a Hardwick guy. I would occasionally listen to the Nerdist podcast back in the day depending on guest, because they did get good guests. You know what I'm yep. saying? But yep. even then, like, he couldn't win me over. Um, and I'll tell you what. One it's of the, the elitist, I'm cooler and no more than everybody. The One of the more douchey things I've seen Will Wheaton do, right? Uh, he got invited to the Force Awakens premiere, right? 
and I'm watching the live premiere on red carpet, blah, blah, blah. And they start interviewing him, and he just spends the entirety of his interview on the red carpet shitting on the prequels. Bruh, you're at a Star Wars event put on by Lucasfilm. Invited, yeah. Invited, and, and like, okay, you don't like the prequels, that's fine. Is this the time or the place to be a douche about it? Right, and you then, took a shit in your guest living room when you were invited right, that's for a party. The, the, not, uh, like, you, you have a housewarming party. You buy a yeah. new house, and, and like one of your buddies comes over and is like, this house is nice, but that is an ugly fucking couch. I hate that couch. Why and would you buy that couch? And just goes on to tell everyone yeah. in your party about hey, how fucking Everybody, awesome come look is. at this stupid couch. You know what I'm Can saying? Can you believe that? Look at this couch. I'm going to piss on it. I'm going to piss on this couch. Everybody laugh while I piss on this couch. <laughs> so, uh, also this week, we got some uh, neat pictures of Ray Park in full uh, solo a Star Wars story mall regalia. I actually think those got released today. Because, um, you know, in the movie, we only really got a look at him in holographic form. Right. Uh, and, it, I mean, it's cool. I don't know what else to say about it. He looks neat. Um, in Star Wars, is it called a hologram? Is it like a hol- Is it something specific, like a hollow disc, or a, is it a not a hologram? I believe it's just called a hologram. Okay. And look at those fancy fucking robot feet he's got. Fancy fucking robot feet. They put a lot of work into that costume and that get up for fucking 10 seconds of screen time. That's how you know Star Wars is good. I mean, I, it makes me wonder if they have more planned for him. I think they did. I don't, well, I don't know. Honestly, I can't say that they did one way or the other because they fucking killed him off in Rebels. It's it's a whole thing. The Darth Maul thing is messy. Um, you know, it's yeah. it was not... <laughs> the thing... Of, uh, I'm okay with Darth Maul now. Like, it, originally it kind of sat wrong with me just because I felt like if you were going to do shoehorned. That, it felt a little shoehorned. It felt like a little... It was cool to see him. I can't take that away from it. But it felt shoehorned and it felt unnecessary and it felt like a wasted opportunity because they already killed that character off for a second time you know yeah they had already brought him back and killed him off so you know we already know what happens to the dude um yeah and i'm okay with it but the thing that really sucks about the darth maul thing is that was never even originally intended like basically the script says a legacy character shows up and it's a big surprise. And Ron Howard had to come up with who that character should be and, you know, ultimately made the final decision of making it Darth Maul, which is all well and good. It just feels like I want my Star Wars to be a little more planned out, you know? Yeah. Like I would, I, you know, does I think that make it should have been Jabba and I think Jabba should have been playing both sides. You know what I mean? Jabba would have been cool. Uh, Fucking, they, they, Cad Bane would have been my choice. Oh, fucking Cad Bane. You know, the thing about Cad Bane is I don't know that he has the reckon, reckon, he's as recognizable. He's definitely not as much of a quote-unquote household name as, as Darth Maul. Darth Maul was the was character a, from Phantom Menace. He's, he's in the, a saga film. Yeah. yeah, he's, you know, 
the main piece of promotional material from one of the highest grossing movies of all time, The Phantom Menace. Like, Darth Maul is much better, well, more more well-known than Cad Bane. But that does not mean I don't think Cad Bane would have been cooler. I would have lost my mind. I would have thought that was the coolest shit ever. All the complaints I've had about Darth Maul at the end of that movie would have been nullified, and I would not have had a single one about Cad Bane. You would have um, had all your Star Wars friends asking you, who was that guy? And you would have been able to tell them, you know, like. Yeah, but, you know, I, I also can see why. The reveal a, wouldn't have carried as much weight. Right, and, you know, from a business standpoint and a general audience standpoint, uh, it wouldn't make nearly as much sense to use Cad Bane as Darth, instead of Darth Maul. But, you know, it's neither here nor, here nor there. But I do think these pictures of Darth Maul are cool. It, it really makes me wish <clears throat> that we had gotten some more Darth Maul. Uh, that Solo had done better and they could have at least explored his... Didn't you tell me there was a Darth Maul video game at the, one point in the works? There was one in the works that was was once again sort of using uh, the Batman Arkham style gameplay for its combat system. I think that's a wasted opportunity. I did. I mean, how hard would it be to crank out a Darth Maul fighter? You know, eight to ten missions, boom, 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 you're done. Like, before we move on to emails and stuff, since we're on the, the subject so video game heavy today, we just brought up Star Wars video games. Can I? Do you mind if I tell you what I think Lucasfilm should do with their video games going forward after? Oh the um, licensing deal or contract with EA is up. Please do. I think they should take it internal, meaning I don't think they should allow any one company, be it EA or Ubisoft or Activision, because really, when you get down to the kind of companies that are going to have the cash to buy an exclusive license to make Star Wars video games, there's not a ton. You know what I mean? Yeah. What I think they should do is start taking pitches from any game company that wants to come and pitch them a Star Wars game and then approve them on that basis. Meaning like no one company has the Star Wars license. So let's say Ubisoft. It goes project by project. If, if right. we like your project, we license it. Right. Like let's say Ubisoft is like, oh, we want to make a Darth Maul game. They bring in a demo and a quote unquote vertical slice and all this video game shenanigans talk and it looks really cool and Lucasfilm is we like that. You you got the green light, make the, the Darth Maul game, you know? And let's say EA comes in and they're like, Well, we want to make a Battlefront three. Let EA make a Battlefront three. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I just don't know that I, I want Star Wars video games to be solely in the hands of one company, especially not an, an EA. And guys, I like I know it's easy to hate on EA, but all the big video game companies, Activision, Ubisoft, the big players in the video game world are all just as shady. You know, I was gonna say they're all hunting that money. <clears throat> um, it's it's they all fucking, got loot box games. It's a it's a fucking cutthroat business, and they're all gonna follow the trends. Like, video games are not cheap to make. They're really expensive nowadays. When you start talking about you know 4K games and all the extra shit you have to put in a video game and stuff to to grab an audience's attention like and like all, I think all the if, go ahead I'm sorry I was just gonna say I think if they did that 
they we would not only would we probably see you know some diverse types of star wars games come out it, it, I, it, precisely i think we, we would see them more often it wouldn't be two years between uh, a triple a star wars release you know like it, 2d side scroller games the tauntauns adventure right you, know, and you would also, rampage you would you know also would, uh, yeah it would allow star wars castle crashers yeah it would allow smaller indie companies that you know have made a name for themselves with uh, games like Dead Cells or Castle Crashers, like you said, or I don't know, whatever the fuck, you know, these these type of games to make a smaller, like what if someone wanted to make Super The Force Awakens in the style of Super Star Wars? What if someone right. wanted to, what if the company that made Elite Dangerous wanted to make a new X-Wing game? What if, you know, uh, CD Projekt Red wanted to make Star Wars The Witcher, you know, like I think it would allow uh, different companies to make games. We would get them more often. Now, with that being said, if we get them more often, more of them are going to be shitty, but more of them are going to be good too. So, and I mean, that's the thing about you can do um, Star Wars stuff with less, you know, not everything has to be a multi million dollar production. And you can still see revenue. You know, you can still find those gems. Because I felt that when Lucasfilm was doing it, there were some projects that were, you know, maybe more passionate than others or more well funded than others, and it showed. You know, they did some really great stuff, really innovative stuff that other, like, because I'm pretty sure the environment interaction system from uh, the Force Unleashed and the Force Unleashed Two, like, I'm pretty sure that spread through other game developers. Oh, as yeah. a way to interact with environments like Lucasfilm was, you know, even it might not have been like a big powerhouse game producer, but it was still pushing the cutting edge of what yeah, and you don't, gaming could do. You, you don't know? want Star Wars video games to get back to the point where you're getting like super bombad racing and Star Wars demolition, which was basically like twisted metal, but Star Wars like they there have been times when you have gotten a lot of bad Star Wars games sort of back to back. I understand the need for quality control, but I think there is a sweet spot where we could be getting more Star Wars video game content and not get to the point where we're getting, you know, Masters of Terrace Kasi and fucking things like that, you know. Yeah. All right, buddy, you want to do some emails and stuff? Oh yeah. We got some uh we got some emails and we got a voicemail. So uh we're gonna kick that off in the only way we know how. The right way. Oh, it's so good. Cockhead! The only Jedi master who can crash box Kiddy! Cockhead! Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead! He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty! Cockhead! To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty! Cockhead! What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! Cockhead! Hosberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! 
All right. First up, we got a voicemail. Uh, and guess who it is? I bet you guys will never be able to tell. It's King Tom. The king of all Toms. Nostra Thomas. Well, I thought we had a voicemail from King Tom. Did I imagine that? No, it's right here. That's what I thought. Here we go. Hey, Austin Will. It's King Tom. I just want to say off the top that I really dug last week's episode. Uh, I especially loved the story that Hawes told at the end, meeting Spider-Man at the convention, taking the picture, and getting to see Spidey's ninth leg in the picture. But the reason I'm calling this week, I feel like I got a bit of a problem. It's about The Last Jedi. I can't stop watching it. You know, I love every Star Wars movie. I really do. And I'm at the point, you know, we've had it for 10 months, and it's safe to say The Last Jedi is is my favorite. And, you know, I'll watch it. I'll put it on. Even if I'm doing something else like reading or playing a video game, I'll just have it on on the side glance over it at, at every now and then and the jokes still get genuine laughs from me the, the 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 emotional moments still get genuine emotions still get chills and so i'll watch it i'll go through it and then like the next day i'll be on twitter and or listening to podcasts hearing people talk about it or just even thinking about it i'm like i gotta see that movie again and i just saw it last night and this has happened to me, you know, like I watched it the other night and then the very next day I got to see it again because people are talking about it or I'm thinking things about it. And every year I'll, I'll watch other things too, but it's, I'm always going back to The Last Jedi. And I, I know I said this is a problem, but I don't see it as a problem because I really like the movie and it still has an impact on me. Um, and I was wondering, you know, it's, it's been 10 months now or, you know, do you still watch it? Or how frequently... Because I, I, I have seen some people say it was a really heavy movie. Can't watch as often as the others. And and I respect that. I completely understand that. Um, but, you know, what's your opinion? What are your guys' opinion on it? Rewatchability and all that other stuff. Anyway, thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you guys later. Well, thanks for calling in, King Tom. Uh, I don't know about Will... But I still pretty consistently watch The Last Jedi. I, I have a feeling my viewings of The Last Jedi will go down a little bit once Solo comes out. Just because Solo's the the new kid on the block. And I'm going to want to you know devour that a whole bunch of times. And really get it into my Star Wars brain. Um, you know what I've been doing lately though? Because I'm, I've been feeling the Episode 9 hype really hard. You know after the cast list... Uh, was released and um, yeah. pictures are starting to come out and things. Um, I've been doing the double feature, especially if I have a lot of work to do on like a Friday while Jesse's at work. I did it today. I watched The Force Awakens and then immediately watched The Last Jedi back to back. Boom, boom. Fucking Star Wars double feature. And I got to say, like, it's a lot of fun watching those two movies back to back. And I can't wait for the third chapter. But yeah, I, I still. I mean, I watched it on the plane twice, to and from California, like, and that's with a million other movie options, you know. I honestly, I watch it fairly often. I've probably rewatched the Last Jedi more than I rewatched the Force Awakens. Really? That's yeah. cool. Um, 
with every watch, I still love it. Like, I still love it. There are still things that I didn't see. There are two lines that ended up grading my nerves, and I don't know why that is, but there are two lines that, like, I guess because I've watched it enough, I'm like, ugh, th- those weren't the best. But the rest of it's, I mean, still wonderful. Still, What's your, what's your, uh, what's your two lines? And they're Leia-centric. When she tells C-3PO to wipe that nervous expression off his face, I'm like, ugh, ugh. Yeah, I don't know. It's just not something about the way it comes out. I'm like, okay, uh, okay. Uh, and then at the end, when she's talking to Luke, when Luke comes back and she's like, "I know what you're gonna say. I changed my hair." And oh, he's like, I like that. that way. I was like, oh, I mm. like that one. The, the... I mean, at the like I'm saying, at the beginning, I had no problems. And they didn't stand out, but the more I've watched it over and over and over, those two stick out to me as. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I think. Well, uh, the I can, I know they're in there to lighten it up. I, I mean, I know that. I get the. Uh, I get not liking the the C three PO one. See, I've never really been a C three PO guy. Um, you know, he's just never been something I was the, drawn to in Star Wars. So, like, I feel like the best C three PO movie is Empire Strikes Back. I feel like he's the best in that movie. Yeah, I mean, Chewie hooked the professor in. Like, I don't mind. I don't really mind him in any of the original trilogy. I don't mind him in the Phantom Menace. Um, he's damn near. He's hardly in fucking Revenge of the Sith. When I think about it, Attack of the Clones is rough for me. Uh, I do. I gotta be honest. I still like will occasionally get a laugh out of. Him being all like, you may not recognize me because of the red arm when he like bust up Dude, on. That's so. It's funny because it's unnecessary. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, and it's told. It's a like I was like, yeah, that's C three PO. That's totally C three PO. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> all right. So first up, email wise, we've got an email from our buddy Sean, dear Halls and Will. I'm not normally the one to write in things like this, but I have felt compelled to do so recently. I want to start off by saying thank you for the awesome podcast. I started listening to the show back in January as a result of the overwhelming negativity around The Last Jedi. I couldn't stand Reddit any longer, so I figured I would give a podcast a try, and I can't believe I didn't start earlier. I don't remember how it happened, but when I stumbled across Blue Harvest, I was hooked from the very first listen. As a lifelong Star Wars fan, I have always felt like I was a different level than all of my other friends and family. Everyone likes Star Wars, but I've never felt like I've met anyone that wants to talk about it all the time like I do. Enter Halls and Will, two genuinely nice dudes that can talk about Star Wars with an open mind and want to share it with others. When I listen to the podcast, I feel like I'm there laughing and goofing off with my buddies. The episode where you told the story about thinking your childhood friend's parents were werewolves still cracks me up. (laughs) Another great thing is that my girlfriend is actually from Memphis as well, so she enjoys hearing the anecdotes about the Mall of Murder and Monster Margaritas. Anyways, I don't really have a question or anything. I just wanted to let you guys know that what you're doing is really appreciated, and I hope to see you and perhaps the rest of the Making Star Wars podcast crew in Chicago next year. I look forward to more of the best damn ass podcast around. Thanks again, and may the force be with you, Sean. 
P.S. I used to work for the mouse and can provide some clarification about drinking at Disney parks. Previously, you couldn't drink in Disneyland or the Magic Kingdom. Walt wanted those two to be focused on the kids, so he didn't allow it. You can pretty much find it everywhere else, though, including the other parks, hotels, and the downtown locations. Galaxy's Edge will be the only exception to the Disneyland rule when it opens. I believe Will mentioned drinking at Epcot, and I'm curious to, c- curious to hear if he's gone drinking around the world there. In case you're not familiar, that's where you drink at a at every country in the world showcase. If he has, which direction do you prefer? Start with Mexico and end on Canada or vice versa? I have never gone drinking around Epcot. I've never been where I was over 21. I've been to Disney World several times, but they were all under 21 ventures. Um, I would like to go in my adulthood and drink around Epcot. My favorite way to go around Epcot is to start at Canada. I like to start at Canada and go around. I think that's how I'd like to drink as well. I, uh, you know, because France comes up soon, and then then you get into Japan, and then Mexico, and you know. The last time I went to Disney before a California trip, yeah, was when I was maybe five years old. Amanda was a baby, like a sitting in high chairs baby. You know what I'm saying? So it had to be when I was around five, and I had not been back to Disney until the summer when we went to California. Um, I would really like to check out Disney World because, you know, I haven't been there in forever. Um, I would really like to check it out. But I feel like Disney World, you need, like, didn't you feel like we got most of the Disneyland experience in in one day? I could have done two, but that, you know, one day would have been to look at all the little stuff, to take it slow, Look at all the every yeah. shop, every sit down. You know, go. I don't think the pre was the presidents there. Did they had the, or is that Disney World the animatronic president? Yeah, if they were, we didn't see him. We didn't get to do Pirates of the Caribbean, but it was yeah, it was closed because I right. really wanted to do that one. Um, um, you know, some of the other sit down showy, the Tiki Room Bird thing. You know, I would have done all that other stuff. Yeah, I get it, but I felt like in one day. I got, oh, yeah, it's uh, one day you know, we got the high point. We got the highlights, the cliff the, notes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and having those fucking wheelchair powers helps too. Um, yes. with the waiting in line and stuff. Cause we kind I mean, I can't really ever remember waiting long to get on you, a ride. You almost need three to four days to do Disney World. That's what I was going to say. I it feel takes like a to, day do, to do a park. Right. I, I, I was about to say it feels like if I were going to do Disney World, since it's so much bigger and it has so many different parks associated with, you know, fucking. Epcot and Hollywood Studios, right? In that, is it now Hollywood? Because I was about to say, I a lot has changed since I've been. There. It used to be MGM, like right, the MGM. Right, park. that's what I mean. And now it's, I believe it is Hollywood Studios. But yeah, there's and Animal Kingdom. So there are four. Like there's, yeah. So and Animal Kingdom is. You would probably spend two days in Animal Kingdom. To that's be what honest. I've heard. I've heard it's basically. The world's best zoo. And the I've, safari ride? You that would be your favorite ride in Animal Kingdom. And I've also heard that because you know they just opened up the Avatar ride in Animal Kingdom, and I hear right. it's incredible. Pandora Land. Yeah, people are people are like, I don't even really like Avatar, but that shit was incredible. Oh wow. <clears throat> All right. Next up we got an email from our buddy Eddie. I believe Eddie, if I'm not mistaken, this is the Eddie that is a host on the uh, 
the newly started Bucketheads podcast. We got to meet Eddie at uh, um, Scum and Villainy Cantina. He was there with Aaron and Bonnie. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's Eddie from the Bucketheads. Hey, Halls and Will. Just dropping by to show you guys some loves. Really liked last episode. How did this happen? It was one of your shorter episodes, but it was literally the definition of short and sweet. Just wanted to say I like your guys' optimism about Guardians 3 still still happening. I myself have come to the terms that there's a good chance it won't come back. But I do want to see the other Guardians again in Thor 4 should they make one. Also, the whole Spider-Dong thing really made me laugh. The costume I think you were talking about was the future foundation suit when he teamed up with the Fantastic Four. That is exactly what it is. Thank you. Thanks, hey, buddy. You I know it was a small segment, but I listened to you guys before work, and that episode cheered me up and made my work day extremely tolerable. Today, I also joined your Patreon, and I'm super stoked to listen to the role-playing game episode. Would have joined first week, but, you know, funds weren't in the greatest spirits. Ha ha. I want to say thanks again for plugging my baby podcast a couple of ep episodes back, too. Both Aaron, Bonnie, and myself really appreciate it. I know we thanked you on Twitter and on our podcast, but I can't stress enough how much that meant. Listening to you guys really inspired us to create our podcast, and you guys were a major influence. Thanks again. I do have two questions for you, too. For Will, I have a cooking with Will question. I have an instant pot and tried using the pressure cooker setting. My chicken breast came out moist, but bland. I thought I followed the recipe right, but obviously didn't. Any advice for seasoning meats in a pressure cooker? Do I just make the seasoning like a marinade? Also, if you have a pressure cook if you have any pressure cooker recipes like a novice like me could try, would you I would be eternally grateful. Uh, so what what you say about this pressure cooker chicken business? Okay. So in the days of pressure cookers back in the 70s, they were very dangerous. I say very dangerous. They're moderately dangerous. There were some instances of people not using them appropriately, and then they exploded. Uh, nowadays, Instant Pot's pressure cookers are pretty safe. Um, and the Instant Pot makes it really handy. Okay, you made Instant Pot chicken. It was really moist but bland, and you said you followed the recipe. Now, it may have just been your recipe. I mean, it may have been the fact that your recipe did not have enough flavor in the spices or marinade that you choose. Um, I imagine that you can get good flavor in an instant pot with the right seasonings. And maybe I, I'm sure it calls for just a little bit of moisture or something like that's so what makes it moist is, uh, you know, a little bit of stock or something, but it, that's where most of your flavor is going to come from. Uh, okay. Marinating chicken. You can marinate chicken and get flavor in there by letting the marinate sit on the chicken for about a day, day or two, maybe. And then cook it that way. And then all the flavor will be in the chicken, and it'll be super flavorful when you cook it and still moist. Um, it, like I, I imagine you did follow your recipe. And also, fats. Fats confer a lot of flavor, maybe a little bit of butter. I don't know if that called for any, but all of these things can contribute to your flavors. Marinades oh. are for chicken. What were you going to say? Uh, you know, okay, so speaking of... Uh, so you... I've done a complete 180 on butter. Did, did you know, like, I used to hate butter? I did not know that. Like, I wasn't a big fan of butter. Like, if butter was... It's not like I would be like, oh, there's butter in this. I'm not eating it. It was more like, 
I wouldn't butter bread. You know what I'm oh, saying? I, I, I don't butter bread. I love I, butter. I don't use butter as a topping for breads or anything. Right. It, more I of really like only that. use it to cook with. Right. <clears throat> but being on this damn keto diet, however, has huh. really, really changed my opinion about butter. Jesse makes this herb-infused butter, right? Mm. And uh, she puts like it's. She's got like this herb paste. She mixes it in with the butter. She puts mm. like maybe a, a little squirt of lemon juice in there to add a little acidity, right? Maybe mm. a little vinegar. I'm not sure. She whips this stuff up, right? And then she'll pan fry like pork chops or steaks. Oh wow! And just put a big pad of that butter on the top and sort of let it melt on top of the meat. Oh yeah. Incredible. Oh yeah. She knows what's going on. Do that on your chicken breast in the fucking Instapot. I bet you that would be delicious. Yeah. Like Hoss said, spices, spices and herbs, great ways to get flavor into your chicken. Um, a general, generally for chicken, poultry spice. I know, I know that sounds really gen- – a little bit of poultry spice, a little bit of salt go a really long way for chicken. Some other things I like for chicken, if you like spice, the Tony Saturies or uh, the Cavender's Greek seasoning. It's a really killer on chicken. I really love that. Um, but again, see, spices and seasonings, you know, you're really getting flavor into the outer layer of chicken. You want right. flavor on the inside of chicken, it's probably going to take a marinade. Right. But still, I mean, sometimes the flavor seared on the outside of the chicken can be enough to carry you can carry the dish, you know. Um, <laughs> so he's got another question for us, for the both of you. We did this on our podcast last episode and was just wondering where you guys rank all the Star Wars movies, including the standalone and Clone Wars movies. Thanks again, guys. Your buckethead moisture farmer, Eddie. P.S. Halls, keep posting those raccoon vids on Twitter. They're a damn ass good time. Oh, I will, buddy. The uh, Jesse has uh, described my Twitter account as a. I can't. I I can't believe I'm going to say this because I think the word is stupid. A raccoon stan account. Stan. Yeah. Have you not heard this fucking term? It took me. I'm such an old bastard. It took me forever to figure out what kids were talking about when they'd be like, "Oh, I'm a Kylo Ren stan." S T A N. Right. I don't get and, it. And I thought it was like uh, short for something or like, you know, it stood for super tantalizing and gnarly gnarly fan or, you know, something like that, right? No, it is a reference to that Eminem song, meaning you're like a crazy obsessive fan. You know, the Eminem song, Stan. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? So you're I a, don't, but I'll play. You don't remember I, the Eminem? It had the, what was the ladies? Dude. There was a, Dido. Dido sang the chorus. It was like, Tears don't from not heard up. And it was like the the whole premise of the song was it was an, a, a, a fan obsessed with Eminem writing him fan letters over and over again, being like, Yo, Eminem, why didn't you write me back? I'm your biggest fan, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I remember this. Okay, song. so. That song was called Stan, and it's about a super, like, super crazy obsessive fan. So right. you say you're a stan of something, you're, like, the whatever. Anyway, it's, apparently I'm a, a raccoon stan. You are. I mean. I can't, I can't deny it or argue the, the, the point. You are a trash panda file if there ever <laughs> oh, was one. Dude, did you hear? Uh, our buddy Calvin is who broke this to me. Uh, Huntsville, Alabama is getting a 
uh, minor league baseball team, and guess what they're going to be called? Oh, I don't know. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. Wow. Wow. That's good. That is good. Huntsville's one for the minor league sports. They used to have a minor league hockey team called the Channel Cats. Channel Cats. I went to see a couple of minor league hockey games in Tupelo uh, when they used to have the Tupelo T-Rex. Minor league hockey. It was a big thing in the 90s. So, um, back to his question. I'm, I'm not really one, at least lately, to rank the Star Wars movies, mainly because I feel like it's getting harder for me to come up with a definitive, this is the answer to this question, and it's never going to change. You know what I mean? The rankings, you mean? Yeah, a lot of times, my favorite Star Wars movie is whatever Star Wars movie I'm watching. You know what I mean? Like, uh... You know, I, I think my favorite's always going to be Empire. And I think my least favorite's always going to be Attack of the Clones. But when I watch Attack of the Clones, I have a good time. I enjoy it, you know what I mean? It's still um, a crucial part of the story to progress through. Yeah, and it's got a lot of badass parts. Um, so, at the end of the day, like, you know, when The Force Awakens came out, I was super into The Force Awakens to a point where I was like, I think that might be my new favorite. But, you know... I can sort of settled a little bit. I can hit fire and give you a spitballed one. Like, don't hold me to it. Don't quote me. Okay. I might rethink now, this it and has replace to in- it if you really... This has to include Solo, Rogue One, and the Clone Wars movie. Right. So, go right. for it. Okay. Empire Strikes Back at the top. Followed by... A New Hope. And then followed by Return of the Jedi. Okay. Uh, then we have The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. I don't it might be The Last Jedi, Force Awakens. And then Revenge of the Sith, Episode Phantom Menace, and then Attack of the Clones. Okay. Now, I don't want to say that the standalones are underneath that. If, if the standalones could be... Hmm, let's see, if we, if we rise them on the list to about the Re- Revenge of the Sith level. If we, we put them alongside Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Um, or even above Revenge of the Sith, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe at, at, a, at uh, a Force Awakens level. Huh? Rogue One. All, all side by side, because I like all the standalones equally. I gotcha. With the Clone Wars movie, just a little less than Rogue One and Solo. Solo over okay uh, okay solo then Rogue One then Clone Wars movie I gotcha well lucky there look how all the pieces came in to, to fell into place I was about to say if you if you pick that apart though I would probably be like okay well okay I would shuffle that around on you <clears throat> all right next up yeah see that's the thing like I would be the same way where like I, yeah I'm it, like don't quote me on this if I got up this morning. You know, and just watched The Force Awakens and sat down to give you my rankings, it would it might rank above The Last Jedi. But if I had watched The Last Jedi, it would probably you know what I'm saying? Like my my list is fluid. I know the my favorite and I know my least favorite, and everything in between kind of just shifts depending on what Star Wars mood I'm in or what I'm watching. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 you know, man, I go with the I go with the flow. 
like what I like when I like it. Yeah. And, uh, and the other thing is, is I kind of want to wait to try to come up with some sort of definitive list like that until episode nine comes out. Because, like it or not, episode nine will affect my view of eight and uh, seven and eight, you know? Because, like. I find it hard to break up the trilogies. I, I you know, I, like. I hear what you mean, like, when you say that. You know? How's it going to go? Empire Strikes Back, The Last Jedi, Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi. Like, because if I'm being real, that might be kind of closer to what it is, but I don't like separating the trilogies. Like, see, like, I, I feel like the classic trilogy is my favorite, then the newest trilogy is next, and then the prequel trilogy is. So, the- for me, like, it, you know, my top three more than likely would probably be Empire, Return, Last Jedi. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, like, A New Hope and The Force Awakens, like, those could interchange for that fourth spot. You know what I mean? And then, same thing goes with spot five, which would either be Revenge of the Sith or The Phantom Menace. I, I have grown to really like The Phantom Menace. I know. The more and more I watch it, so, like, maybe on one day Phantom Menace is number five. Maybe on one day Revenge of the Sith is number five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult. Like, all right. <coughs> all right. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I. Ooh. Uh, this one's from our buddy Dylan. What's up, guys? My son and I just started watching the 80s Transformers cartoon. In the first few episodes, I swear I've heard a few Star Wars sound effects. Uh, a lightsaber igniting, as well as tie and X-wing engines. I assume those are copyrighted. Do you guys have any background in how those sounds were able to be used in the show? Thanks, Dylan. Uh, I am not the biggest Transformers stan, <clears throat> to use a term. Uh, so I don't really. I'm not really familiar. I didn't. <laughs> From what I understand, the original transformers that he's talking about from the eighties. Uh, he said the first few episodes. So I'm assuming the first season, um, those were produced by Hasbro specifically to promote toy lines called Diaclone in Tokyo in Japan. Um, now the first, first, second, third season were produced by, uh, a company called Toei animation. I may be pronouncing that wrong, but it's T O E I. It may be, but uh, it's possible that they had access to some of those sound effects from, I don't know, like maybe they might have ripped them straight off the movie and it just never got caught. Yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine that the copyright would never get caught or let it go, but they may be modified. They may be the original sounds slightly modified, so it's not called a copy. So, I can't speak to Transformers, but I've heard something very similar in an anime that I'm really into called Sword Art Online. Uh, In the second season of that, so the whole premise of the show is that people are playing these sort of hyper-advanced VR uh, online role-playing games, right? And uh, in the second season... They are in a sort of post-apocalyptic, sort of cyberpunky Fallout-type MMO, right? Yeah. And the main character early on in the season is in, like, the armory picking out the weapons and stuff he wants for his character. 
Right. And he straight up picks a lightsaber. They don't call it a lightsaber. They call it either a laser sword or a beam saber or something. But the shit looks and operates just like a lightsaber, including fucking lightsaber sounds. When he turns it on, it sounds just like a lightsaber. When he swings it, it makes the lightsaber sound. When it deflects a bullet, it ma- you know what I'm saying? And I, I never thought to look like in the credits or something and see if it said, you know, laser sword sound uh, used with permission by Lucasfilm, but it's straight up the lightsaber sounds. It's interesting. That's awesome. All right. Uh, next up, we got a email from our buddy, Doug. Halls and Will. I've listened to your podcast for a long time, but this is my first email. Love hearing you guys talk. It's a huge highlight to my week. We've had a couple of first-time writers in this week. That's cool. Thanks for writing in, guys. In episode 9, maybe Ray will be using Luke's green saber. Where is it? Also in episode 8, did Luke have Vader's crystal? Maybe she makes a double-bladed saber, one side red with the other side green, representing balance. Maybe she uses the blue crystal to build a new one that appears fractured and wild like Kylo's ignited saber. Thoughts? Uh, How's that for a first-ever podcast email? May the Force be with you, Utah Dougie. Um, so, I I just get the feeling that Rey's going to be using her own saber in episode 9. I wouldn't be surprised if it's green, sort of to mirror that whole Luke from Empire to Jedi transition, right? Um, I don't know how I would feel about a two-colored double-bladed lightsaber. You know what I mean? With one side green and one side red. Mm. I totally 100% get why people think she might or want her to use a double-bladed lightsaber. That makes complete sense to me. I just don't know how cool a two-colored lightsaber would look, you know? Uh, Yeah, 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 I get it. It would be cool if she uses Luke's green. I don't necessarily... I don't think that's the way they're going to go, though, because everything is really about making these Star Wars, these characters own Star Wars. Kind of, in the words of Kylo Ren, letting the past die. Right. You know, And it would only make that much sense in that vein of thought for her to construct her own lightsaber with the crystal from Luke's saber. And I watched it when I was getting, there aren't, and there isn't a shot of two crystals. You just see the one crystal in the base. Oh, really? Yeah. <clears throat> so I kind of like... I kind of also sort of like the idea of Luke's blue crystal having gotten messed up in when the saber was broken. So now she has sort of uh, um, an unstable lightsaber like Kylo. I could see how that could be neat too. I don't know that I would want her to have like the cross guard and things like that, you know? I don't know that the un. I don't like the idea of the unstable crystal for her as well because I think she's the force of stability and I think that reflects in her life. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent with you because <clears throat> I feel like besides making up a new saber type that looks different and adds some variety to Star Wars, uh, Kylo's sort of lightsaber is very representative of him and like mm-hmm. sort of you know his. His bro- dark, brooding, tortured yeah. nature. Yeah, kind um, of, kind of broken and attached back together. Yeah, um, so I totally get that too. That makes a lot of sense as it's, well. I, you know, they're adding a lot of spirituality 
to the you know the idea of lightsaber crystals in general they're you know lightsaber crystals can be corrupted you know by the dark side and mm-hmm. turn red you know maybe that that crystal is just attuning to ray and ray's energy is a green one you know i don't know you could explain it and maybe that you know after what happened with kylo ren maybe it 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 gives off a green light just because the crystal itself has grown you know i don't know i'm just yeah, I, I'm I'm allowing ways for the crystal to turn green through their whole connection, you know, from the Jedi to the crystal. You know what I would like to see in a Star Wars movie is I'd like to see someone construct their lightsaber. You know, like there's that deleted scene from Return of the Jedi where you see like Luke popping a squat in the cave with some fucking tweezers and watch screwdrivers or whatever, like putting right. the final touches on it. But it's not in the final movie. And I don't know that we'll get it in episode nine because I kind of feel like, especially if there's a time jump, you kind of start with Ray already having built her saber, you know? Of course, yeah. All right, so we got one email uh, before we wrap this up. One last one for the night, and this comes from our buddy Neil in Chicago. Hey, Halls and Will. I have a question slash statement I wanted to bring up. So last episode, you mentioned that Jesse had brought up staying in a haunted hotel when you come to Chicago next year. Was it the Congress Hotel by chance? If it is, I would definitely advise on a hard pass. The Congress Hotel is one of the most haunted buildings in the city and houses dozens of ghosts slash spirits. Additionally, three of these are believed to be serial killers, including H.H. Holmes, America's first documented serial killer. Dozens of guests have left the hotel in the middle of the night with complaints of spirits watching them as they slept, fluctuating temperatures, and scratching and thumping heard from within the walls. Anyway... Just wanted to give you and other moisture farmers the heads up before you commit to a not-so-great stay when celebration comes around. Your friend in the force, Neil from Chicago. Holy fuck hard pass. Dozens of guests have left the hotel in the middle of the night with complaints of spirits watching them as they slept. No thank you fluctuating temperatures, eh, and scratching and thumping heard from within the walls. Also, uh, no thank you. I would still check it out. Oh my God. Spirits watching you while you slept? That is literally... They're not not maiming you or clawing at you or dismembering you. They're just watching... I understand they, they that, miss dude. Sleep. They don't sleep anymore. They're like, oh, I miss sleep. I remember what it was I like. I understand that they're not physically interacting with you like that, but I still don't want that. Do you know, like, uh, there would have to be a memorial service for me at Celebration because if but I... All your w- hair would turn white. If you'd I... Come to, <laughs> you'd come to Celebration and oh, Hoss, did you bleach your hair? I'm like, no, no, nope. I didn't. Just woke up and there's a fucking ghost staring at me while I slept. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll just go ahead and die. No, dude, I, I I, honestly think that if I woke up in the middle of the night. Straight up cardiac arrest. Yeah, I think it would kill me. 
I do. I have no desire to come in contact with a ghost. You know how the Ghostbusters say, I ain't afraid of no ghost? I am afraid of a ghost. I am the complete opposite. I got no damn time to be fucking around with ghosts. No time for that. No time for that. Oh, my God. Woo. You wouldn't want to go in there with like a little EVP, a little Ouija board action, ask a question? Hell no. That's how you get possessed. Ain't you ever seen a Dude, horror movie? I just play it. I would not fuck with the Ouija board. I'm not stupid enough to fuck with oh, the Ouija board. You know what you should watch? Uh, Jesse and I watched it. Uh, there's a there's a pretty good scary movie on uh, Netflix right now. It's kind of old news. Like uh, people were talking about it a few months ago, and we just finally got around to watching it. It's called Veronica. Veronica? Yeah, it's called Veronica. Okay. And it's supposedly based off a of true story. Now, <clears throat> was it as scary as people hyped it to be when I was first reading it? Not necessarily, but there was a couple of parts where I was like, "Yeah, that's pretty scary." I don't like that one bit. So yeah, next time you're you're looking to uh, watch a scary movie, that's one I recommend for you, buddy. Did you say uh uh-uh? uh? I said right on. Oh, I thought you said uh uh-uh. uh. Nuh uh. I can do a scary movie. Oh, I know you can. <clears throat> Anyways, guys, I think that's gonna do it for this week. Um, thanks for uh, sticking around. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, taking the time to record with me this week, buddy. Absolutely, dude. Thank you for having me. If you guys like our theme song, please check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonecobra.bandcamp.com. We have a T Public store where you can get shirts and things of that nature. tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. I have uh, maybe a neat little Blue Harvest merchandise item in the works. But it's gonna it's not gonna be anytime super soon, but uh, I'm starting to look into something. It won't be through T Public. Uh, I'll update you guys uh, more as it uh, comes around. Um and if you guys have a chance, leave us a iTunes review. It really helps us out. Helps more people find the podcast, like all of our first time writer buddies. Um anyways guys, thanks for listening. And until next week, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Paul Sparkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>